Father in heaven, thank you for being here with us through the Spirit of Christ and encouraging us. We would ask that we would now behold wonderful things from your word and forever be changed. In Christ's name, amen. You may know her. You may envy her. Perhaps admire her. Maybe even hate her. But there's no ignoring her. The Proverbs 31 woman. The epitome of righteousness. The measuring stick many Christian women use to determine if they're doing okay or not. That's the introduction to an article called Stop Trying to Be a Proverbs 31 Woman, written by a Christian. Well, I'm not going to try to get you to stop being a Proverbs 31 woman, women, but I am going to try to encourage you, and I'm going to try to encourage you whether you are a woman or a man or a boy or a girl from Proverbs 31. And so if you want to join me in finding the 31st chapter of the book of Proverbs, that's what's on tap for this morning. Why Proverbs 31? Well, because we have to do something and Acts starts next week. Well, last week we looked at Ecclesiastes and that's wisdom literature. And uh, Proverbs is also wisdom literature and it was already on my mind and I was thinking about it and I thought this would be a good time to talk about this. Um, I... One time in my life have I spoken at a women's event. Awkward. Um, And I taught on Proverbs 31 and I learned so much, but I concluded before I even spoke after studying Proverbs 31, I thought, this is great for a women's event, but this would be great for a men's event because it has much to say to all of us. And so I've just been waiting for the opportunity to... uh, Talk to men and women and boys and girls about Proverbs 31. So that's what we're doing this morning. I was informed that uh, after the first hour, I have spoken at other women's events via video. So, and I think I'm speaking at the next women's event via video. So anyway, I have to be careful about these things, what I say and what I don't say. Um, What else do I want to say? Oh, you know, Proverbs 31, maybe before we jump into it, I've been told by Christian women at this church, I don't remember who, but I've been told, and outside of this church, please, whatever you do, pastor, on Mother's Day, don't preach on Proverbs 31. Why make me feel guilty on the day I'm supposed to feel happy? I think I could preach this sermon on Mother's Day and not make you only feel guilty, but also feel happy, but I've been warned. Um, I've been alive long enough, I probably won't try it on Mother's Day. Uh, but there's the opposite extreme. So there's that extreme. Some, some Christian women think, I, that's the last thing I want to hear. There's the opposite extreme, and I've met people like this, never here, none of you, who seem to pride themselves in being a Proverbs 31 woman. I am a Proverbs 31 woman. Well, that's probably a bit of the wrong extreme. Um, Sometimes some people would say that's self-righteousness because the Proverbs 31 woman seems to be a perfect woman. And uh, I know all of you are wise and godly enough, ladies, to not claim to be perfect. You're all Christian enough to know that 
There's none righteous, no, not one. That's why we need a Savior. So, I think I'm digging myself into holes. We better move on to it. Move on with it. If you'd like a title of the sermon, let me just dig myself in a little further. The Proverbs 31 man (laughs) and woman. (laughs) I mentioned that to my wife last night and she's not here so I'll talk about her. (laughs) She took offense at that. So um, let's change that. The Proverbs 31 woman and man and child. Okay, so it, it is the Proverbs 31 woman. So we'll put her first. But in all seriousness, this has a a lot to do with women, men, boys, and girls, anyone who is pursuing wisdom, and everyone should be pursuing wisdom. So I have an outline this morning. We're going to approach this particular chapter of the Bible from three different angles, three different levels if you'd prefer. I have three angles that I'm going to invite you to look at this from with me. Number one, the wisdom of Proverbs 31, the wisdom of Proverbs 31. And then number two, the wife of Proverbs 31. We'll spend most of our time there. That will be the traditional kind of look at things, the details. And then number three, the next angle, we're going to look at Proverbs 31 from the ideal of Proverbs 31. And that one will be rather quick, rather quick, but really, really important. I'm going to save some energy for the end because... It's one of the important parts that is often overlooked. Okay, the wisdom of Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 is the bookend at the end of the book of Proverbs, right? There is no Proverbs 32. Proverbs 31 is the end on purpose because it's talking about wisdom and chapter 1, the opening of the bookends, talked about wisdom. Proverbs is all about wisdom. It starts talking about wisdom. It ends talking about wisdom. It's a book about wisdom. And this speaks toward the wisdom of Proverbs holistically. So Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It's all about wisdom. Proverbs 31.30, like it says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord... Synonym for who is wise, based upon chapter 1, is to be praised. So that right there gives us somewhat of a clue as to, you know what? This Proverbs 31 woman is about wisdom. And this whole book is about wisdom. Well, that, that tells us that maybe, as some have concluded, the Proverbs 31 woman, and you want to make sure you understand this, might just be in the Bible by divine design, to be wisdom personified. Wisdom illustrated in a human being's life. In other words, we've learned all the stuff about wisdom because it's a wisdom book, and you get to the end and you say, okay, what would this look like in a person's life? So that we could relate to it better. Oh, the Proverbs 31 woman is an illustration, is an example of what it means to live a wise life. I think that's on purpose. It's strategic. And complementing this is the fact that in Proverbs, wisdom is oftentimes, some of you know where I'm going with this, is oftentimes, oftentimes described in the feminine as a woman, as lady wisdom. Used symbolically 
So for example, Proverbs 1.20 says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the markets, she raises her voice. Oh, wisdom personified as a woman. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, or foolish ones, will you love being simple or foolish or not wise? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? And it goes on in chapter 1. As if wisdom can speak. And as if wisdom is a woman. Oh, that might help us to understand Proverbs 31 better. Proverbs 9 is one other example because I don't want you to take my word for it. Proverbs 9 also uh, speaks of wisdom as a female, as a woman. This is Proverbs 9, 1 to 6. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn, hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple or not wise or foolish, let him turn in here to him who lacks sense. She says, wisdom does, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways or foolish ways or naive ways and live and walk in the way of insight or wisdom. Then we get to chapter 31. If we've read the whole thing, we think, this might not be a literal woman. This might be wisdom lived out as an example. I think we're certainly on to something. That's certainly, I think, what it means, at least in part. That's why we're looking at it from three different angles. Angle number one, the Proverbs 31 woman, I think, is wisdom personified, just like the rest of uh, this theme that's come up throughout Proverbs. In other words, it's for everybody. If that's true, we can do a men's retreat and talk about the Proverbs 31 man. Because yes, it's the Proverbs 31 woman, but she's the example on how to live a wise life. Men She's the example on how to live a wise life. Boys and girls, moms, wives, marrieds, singles. Bruce Waltke, a well-known, respectable Old Testament scholar, says this about this chapter. All wise people affirm, excuse me, all wise people aim to incarnate the wisdom she embodies, each in his own sphere of activity. Man, woman, child, children, He goes on to say, by nature, proverbial material, Proverbs material, sets forth examples, asking audiences to make the appropriate application to their own spheres. I think he's exactly right. We all learn from her. It's not only for women's ministries. It is for women's ministries, but it's for everybody. How do we live a wise life? Even even you do it if you're a Christian woman, because I, I, I could be wrong, but I... I don't think anyone I know who's a member of Omaha Bible Church is married to a king. She's married to a king. She has all the financial resources at her fingertips. And you might be married to a ditch digger. But Proverbs 31 is something you can say, well, I'm in a different scenario in life, but I can see the principles. Well, as a man, I'm in a different scenario as a Christian woman, but I can understand the principles nonetheless. Proverbs 31, I would say, is not only 
for women. Another argument toward that end, and then I promise we will get to this text, is the fact that in Hebrew, which is what it's originally written in, each letter of the Hebrew alphabet starts each one of the phrases. It's an acrostic. So in English, we would say, this, is, this woman is, is wisdom from A to Z, if it were written in English. So it's organized a certain way so you could memorize it, so you could remember it, so you could learn from it as a principle. How to live your life. From A to Z, you want to know what wisdom looks like? Men and women and boys and girls, study the Proverbs 31 woman. Okay, finally, so you don't take my word for it, another Old Testament commentator says this, the ideals of wisdom presented throughout the book of Proverbs are now gathered up in chapter 31 and presented in a beautiful, breathtaking, but practical presentation of wisdom embodied and in motion. Oftentimes when I quote extra sources, it's because I don't want you to think I'm making this up myself. Okay, This isn't Pat's hot take on, on, on all of this. It's a well-worn path to say, we should all learn from this lady wisdom. This beautiful lady wisdom that really is the, is the takeaway from the book of Proverbs. Wisdom personified. I think we must look at that angle. I will look at that angle. I want to encourage you to look at this woman from that angle. We would all be better served if we did. Now, next angle. Next perspective, if you will. And this will be what is more traditional. We're going to look at all the verses. We're going to have to go quickly. I have 55 pages of notes. So I think normally I would have about 12 pages of notes. So I probably won't tell you much that you can't already see for yourself. We're going to go pretty quick. We're not going to do the 55 pages of notes. And it's all pretty obvious. It's all pretty easy to understand. I'll highlight some things here and there that would be of interest perhaps. But generally speaking, this is a perfectly wise woman. She makes good decisions, okay? The first part is a queen mother addressing her foolish son, the king, about foolishness and the need to pursue a wise woman instead of harlots, instead of prostitutes, and he needs to be sober-minded, not drinking on the job, we might say, as a king, Okay, but then he, then, then the positives are said. So opening nine verses, there's an out of control son who happens to be a king and his mother is passionately correcting her son. Okay, then verses 10 and following, we have this virtuous wife, this virtuous woman that we would normally think of. So how about this? In Proverbs 31, we have a man who is anything but virtuous and a Proverbs 31 queen mother telling her son that he needs a Proverbs 31 wife. Interesting stuff, I think. All right. Verse 1, let's dive in. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle, or sometimes it's translated prophecy, because it's a forewarning. If you know how wisdom works, you can, it's like you can tell the future. An oracle, a forewarning that his mother taught him. And I promised not to slow down all the time, but I can't resist at least to pause there for a moment and say, who in the world is King Lemuel? Who's King Lemuel? Well, different people have different opinions, but when I checked and I, and I looked in the Bible, I, I didn't find him to be a king of Israel. King Lemuel? 
The Reformation Study Bible says it suggests he's an Egyptian king or a Babylonian king. I don't want to get too hung up on this, but that would mean he's a pagan. And that would mean she's a pagan. What? This has caused some Christians to have like theological apoplexy. They don't know what to do, right? Because how in the world could Christians and believers learn from unbelievers? Fascinating. How could we learn wisdom from somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit? So we say, um, so therefore this is actually Solomon and, and it was a, like a, a pet name of his mom's. She just called him by a pagan name. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I would suggest to you that if we can, in Proverbs, if we can learn from ants, it, it's just common sense stuff. It, it, it's, it's okay to actually even be a pagan mom explaining to your pagan son about common sense, about wisdom. So I, I, I'm okay. Now, maybe it's Solomon. I don't think it's Solomon. I think it's probably a guy named Lemuel, um, who's a, an Egyptian or a Babylonian. Okay, I got that off my chest. Um, okay, verse 2. Here's this urgent cry. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is, it is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. What's happening there? She's pleading with her son. You're intoxicated with women who are not your wife. And it can be intoxicating, right? And not only that, then you're also, to use a, a, a pat vernacular in our phraseology, you're drinking on the job, right? You're not sober-minded when you need to make decisions as a ruler judge, right? You're, you're, you're a king. You're, you're the judge. You're supposed to say, here's what our laws say that are on the books. And so to rule righteously or justly or fairly based upon the laws, applying the laws to the people, good behavior, bad behavior, you've got to be sober-minded. You've got to be able to be a clear thinker or you're not a good judge, you're not a good ruler. But this foolish young king is not doing the right thing. So his wise mother is helping, pleading with him. You are so, you're being such a fool and, and you're going to go the way of so many other kings who played the fool too. Now verse 6 says, Give strong drink to the one who is perishing. Not for you when you're on your throne, pal. This is how I'm going to put it between the lines. And wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. You know, not, it's one thing for them, but that's, that's not for you. That, that doesn't make any sense. It's crazy. Don't be such a fool. Open your mouth, verse 8 says, for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously according to the law, our laws, the laws. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. So all of this is utterly reasonable, right? Be a good king. Be a good king judge. You're, you're, you're not being that because you're foolish. Pretty straightforward. You didn't need to know Hebrew. Um, or anything like that to figure it out. And you go, huh, she's scolding him because he's not able to do his job because of folly. 
because he's following his heart. He's following his passions. He's doing what he thinks feels good and what's feel, what feels right. He has all the resources to do whatever he wants to do. And that is causing him to not do what he's supposed to do. Pretty straightforward, right? You all could lead the Bible study and have that conversation, I think. We can all understand this. And then we transition to this part about the Proverbs 31 woman. You know what you need in your life, son? <laughs> Wisdom. But let's talk about this woman. Verse 10, an excellent wife. Sometimes translated, a mighty wife. Heroic, valiant. It's, it's a word that's used in the Old Testament several times for somebody who's a hero, a man who's a hero. Jerome translated it, strong woman, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Chapter 12, verse 4 says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. So you, you pursue all of these things when it comes to pleasure. You know what you should be pursuing? The number one thing you can have in your life, humanly speaking, son, is wisdom. And here we're talking about not harlots, not fancies. Not flings. You need a wise woman in your life. You need a strong woman in your life. You need a courageous woman in your life. You need a hero kind of woman in your life. Sounds pretty good. Verse 11 then says, The heart of her husband trusts in her. If you have that kind of woman, wisdom, a wise woman, a wise wife, you'll trust in her and he will have no lack of gain. Really strong word used there. You, you trust her with your heart. One of the first verses I ever memorized as a brand new Christian is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So I don't have any room to trust a woman if I'm trusting the Lord with all my heart. Well, I don't think the Bible contradicts itself, but I think it's purposely using that, that really significant, powerful kind of description. You, you, if you have this kind of woman in your life, if you have this wise woman in your life, you trust her, dare we say, almost like you would trust God? I mean, he, he, he's flirting with that. I mean, he, he's really pushing the verbiage. Or she is, not he. Excuse me. You trust her. Verse 12 says, She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Verse 14 says, She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She's going to meet your needs. She's going to make you happy. She's not going to, she's not going to be boring, a good wife. You think you're, you've got excitement with all of these foolish flings. You know what? you truly have a good wife? Even exotic meals. She'll want to make you happy. And by the way, kings are into exotic things. So I'm told. <laughs> right? they, they have everything. So what do they want? They want things they don't have. They want things that in one sense money can't buy. So they commission people with ships. To go seek out faraway lands and bring back weird animals that they don't have. And to bring back what's so prized in the ancient world? Spices. So we can have food that's different and enjoy life. You want to have someone to help you enjoy life? It's not the harlot's son. It's not following your emotions, son. It's having an excellent wife. 
and she will give you the delicacies that you're actually looking for. Is how I'm reading it. Verse 15 says, She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. So she's not a slacker. She's not a sluggard. The Proverbs talks about negatively, which is foolish. No, she's a hard worker. Not only that, she's not self-consumed. She even provides for her maidens. She's wealthy if she's married to the king. She doesn't need to lift a finger, but she's not lazy. And she's not calloused-hearted. She actually cares about people that in one sense she doesn't need to care about, but she does. She's virtuous. She's heroic. 16 says, she considers a field and buys it. So see, there's a strategy, there's a plan for action, there's discerning. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. I liked what one commentator said. She is not contented with simply becoming a land baroness. She wants her property to become a money-making venture yearly, not simply when it's resold. Impressive. Verse 17 says she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. So she's not a slacker. She's driven. She is wise. She's motivated. She's kind. She's generous. That's what this mother tells her son she should or he should be looking for. As a little bit of an aside with a little bit of a smirk on my face. This Proverbs 31 woman is so wise that she knows how to interpret Proverbs 31 the right way and not woodenly ignoring the rest of Scripture. Her lamp does not go out at night. Oh, I have literally met people before who are so, I don't know what word to use, troubled and burdened and worn out and spent because they're trying to be the Proverbs 31 woman. And so it's, you know what, here it is. Lamp doesn't go out at night, all nighter after all nighter after all nighter, because you know what? I need to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Well, I would say that the Proverbs 31 woman, if she were a real woman and we're here, would say, don't absolutize that. Haven't you read the rest of Scripture? I think the Proverbs 31 woman has good interpretive skills. So as to say, that's intended to mean I work hard to get the job done no matter what and I'm not a slacker. Because people who sleep all the time are lazy. But you know what? I also know that the Bible teaches wisely it is in vain that you rise up early and go to late, late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Psalm 127. Just trying to help you out. It's wise to stay up late at night getting your work done. It's wise to get a good night's sleep. Sometimes our immature reading of the Bible or our immature writing of books about chapters in the Bible, our immature writing of books about chapters in the Bible, our immature 
writing of chapters about uh, writing of books about chapters in the Bible. Did, did I repeat myself? Causes a lot of people grief and turmoil that they don't need to go through, and it ends up being not biblical. It's a general truism. Get your work done, even if it means staying up late. Don't be a slacker. It's also a general truism. Don't stay up late worrying about things. The Lord will take care of you. It's why you pray for wisdoms to know how to do both, is what we do. And God gave us a mind, and and we're called to pray for wisdom. Okay, thanks for letting me get that off my chest. Actually, that wasn't for me. It's like, how many, how many people can we, can we make miserable? When I think the Proverbs 31 woman is so wise, she'd say, you should also read the Psalms. Okay, verse 19. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. So she's making cloth of various sorts. 20 says she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. So she's not selfish. 21, she is not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household are clothed in scarlet. So again, the fool just spends it all and doesn't think ahead about the future, according to Proverbs. No, she thinks ahead and she's not afraid of what might come because she's been planning ahead. Then 22 says she makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Another good opportunity for us to say we interpret the Bible with the Bible holistically and we say, how about that? As an image bearer, the God who made things beautiful and wonderful and complex, she takes pleasure in making things beautiful and wonderful and complex, even royal color, even purple. She's not, you know, the the Proverbs 31 woman is not the, the Proverbs 31 Eeyore. Gray, gray, right? Because of modesty. Oh, oh, that's also true. Modesty is biblical. Ornateness is biblical. Different places for different things. God made us to be pursuing wisdom. Appropriate here, not appropriate there. Just think about how how many times I was watching, I was looking for examples of Proverbs 31, and I saw some interesting things. You know, so we're going to take this out of context and say that God wants everybody to be rich. And if you're wise, you'll be rich because, you know, purple clothing. Well, that doesn't fly since Jesus didn't even have a house to lay his head, the Bible says. But we do the gray Eeyore kind of thing. And, uh, you know, if you're a godly woman, you're boring. That That's not a good take on Proverbs 31. Not at all. Two things can be true at once as long as it's in different senses and not be contradictory. And so I think a mature reading would say, oh, okay, this, this is good to see. She wants to be creative. She appreciates beauty because God made the world beautiful. And she wants to provide for her family in a way that's not only gray. I'll stop doing that, I promise. <laughs> Verse 23 says, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She has such a... 
reputation. She has such a blessing in his life and the family's life and the kingdom's life. It spills over into he's known for her. 24 says, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. I think when I studied this originally, my notes say, merchant, literally Canaanites. I didn't go back and check. Canaanites. So she makes money. She's quite uh, industrious. And, and she sells things to Canaanites? I, I, I think maybe she wouldn't be invited to some fundamentalist churches to their Titus Tuesday group. <laughs> I think she should be invited. But, but it's a bit of a paradigm rocker. Verse 25 says, strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She's not afraid. She's planned ahead. That's wisdom. 26 says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Now, I'm, which is good, right? That's just generally true. That's generally true of anyone if they're kind uh, and they teach wisdom. I wonder now though if, if, Given the fact that it is in the in the Hebrew canon, that it is in the biblical canon, uh, that on purpose and it is in Hebrew, that it's now let's call it Christianized. Because of the words used, I'm going to assume that for a moment, because it is significant. It's meant for Christian readers in the Bible, even if Lemuel was not a part of the nation of Israel. Wisdom, teaching of kindness, Torah of Hesed. Teaching God's word, law, Torah, Hesed, God's special covenant loving kindness. I like that a lot. You know what? This is the woman who, who has experienced grace, if we can read it that way at this point in time. She's experienced God's grace and she has experienced at such a level God's grace that when she speaks, it sounds like she's experienced it. She, she speaks God's word. She speaks of God's special, unique, covenant, loving kindness for his people. We might say it's seasoned with grace. I like that. that. That would be good for you, Christian women. That would be good for you, Christian men. Be good for you, Christian boys and girls. No, we've experienced God's grace and it shows up in the way we talk shows up in humility. It shows up in speaking of God and His goodness and His mercy and His loving kindness to us. She's that kind of woman, the wise woman is. She so experienced the covenant love of God and so understands it that it shows up in the way she speaks in everyday life. Okay, we better move on. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. What do you do when you do that sometimes? You're getting ready. You got everybody's attention. I'd like to pose a toast. That I'm married to the greatest woman ever. 
And I want to honor her and praise her in front of all of you. Maybe today we, we do this with a spoon more so than... <clears throat> but you get the idea. To have this kind of woman at your side, this hero kind of woman, you, you praise her, you boast in her. You say, my wife is the best wife ever. Now, hopefully there's another Proverbs 31 dude that wants to fight you. Say, no, my wife is the best one ever. But in his eyes is the idea. She's the greatest woman ever because she's my wife. He praises her. 29 says, many women have done excellently. Here we are again. We started with the excellently, the, the, the heroic, strong. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. See, that, that's from the eyes of the husband. She's the one. She's the greatest one. See, the queen mother is trying to help her son to say, this is what's most valuable and, and look how you would be blessed. So much so that you would praise her and say, there's never been a greater woman on planet earth. And I'd fight you for that. It's good. It's really good. She's admirable. Well, he's closed out the chapter with the excellent in verse 29, I think, in general. But then in 30, it says, charm is deceitful. So that's what he's been pursuing because it, it's, it's looked good on the outside. It's, it's been fulfilling passions, whims. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And now we certainly have, have Christianized it, if you will. She's the one. 31 says, give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. She's the noble one. I, am, I imagine I didn't tell you hardly anything you couldn't figure out on your own. Maybe a few things here and there. I want to feel good about myself. I imagine some of you, especially out of context, will re- will hear those words and think, awesome, I want to be more like that. Some of you will think, like my opening introduction, I hate that woman. Some of you, maybe on the self-righteous side of things, think, you know what, I am that woman. Or I am that man. And we have a special class for you. <laughs> And I'll explain why in a moment. She's quite the woman. I I think we're meant to see her and say, she would be the perfect wife. She represents perfect wisdom. She is impressive. I think we're meant to do all those things. Now let's go to the third angle. Please hang in there with me, okay? Hang in there with me. Third angle that's important to bring all of this together as Christians. And that would be the ideal of Proverbs 31. The ideal of Proverbs 31. And I've got some important questions. My first question regarding the ideal of Proverbs 31, as we're wrapping this up. First question is, how do you think Jesus would have read Proverbs 31 when he read it? Because I know that he did. How do you think Jesus would have read the Proverbs 31 chapter when he read it? 
We have to speculate a little bit, but we don't have to speculate altogether. Surely Jesus would have agreed with Proverbs 31. And if we're thinking in terms of a woman as Jesus read Proverbs 31, do you think he would have said, oh, there have been many, many, many women like this who are perfectly wise and perfectly faithful and perfectly loyal and perfectly hard workers and perfectly planned for the future? Think Jesus would have read it like that? Might give us some indication as to how Jesus would think about some of our books that we write about Proverbs 31. Next question. I'm just leaving that one out there for a little bit to simmer. Next question. Has there ever been a through and through Proverbs 31 woman? If she represents one who is perfectly wise, has there ever been a perfect Proverbs 31 woman? And, and I have to answer the question as a Christian, Bible reader, Old Testament and New Testament. The answer has to be no. It has to be, if she is the perfectly wise woman, the perfectly wise human being, I have to say there's never been a perfectly wise woman. Now I'll tell you, I'll tell my wife that she is, but that's because I know where my bread is buttered. <laughs> but I would be lying and she would know this. Psalm 14 says, and Romans 3 says, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's never, ever been a perfect human being, except for one, I'm going there. So in that sense, if Jesus read Proverbs 31, I don't think he'd say, oh, there's a long list in heaven of women who've met all of this by way of example. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because Proverbs 31, as wisdom literature, is essentially law. And the law is good and righteous and holy. But to be unrighteous means we're lawbreakers. Hang in there with me. This is important to see the whole thing. So what do we do? What do we do? We might be like those women who have come to me and said, please don't preach on Proverbs 31 on Mother's Day. And I think they're on to something. If that's all we do is say, here's the standard. Well, that's not very encouraging. If we're sons and daughters of Adam. So what do we do? Well, you know, we look to Christ is what we do. But before we say, we look to Christ for our righteousness. And, and then we're right with God because of His grace through Christ and through atonement. And now that we're new creatures in Christ, we want to do the right thing. So now we want to be Proverbs 31 women and Proverbs 31 men living wise lives. That's all true. That's right. That's the right way to think about this. But maybe before we go there, I want you to look at one more Proverbs text. And it's Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. And then I have one final question. Proverbs 16, how about Proverbs 16, 5? It says in verse 5, everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. And we're going to keep going, but if you just stop there for a second, 
That one sounds really heavy-handed and really harsh, arrogant. But it's just it's one example of foolishness. It's one example of sin. And what I want you to see is that one example that he uses right then and there, he goes on to say, it won't go unpunished. There will be a day of reckoning. How does he say it? It will not go unpunished. Be assured. So it's important that we remember this verse here. I think Chris Peterson was the first one that pointed out to me to say, look, look, look at how Christians and Protestants before us have been looking at the Proverbs. I'll give him some credit on this for sure. Foolishness, whether it's arrogance or whatever variety, will never go unpunished. Oh, so if I'm not a perfect Proverbs 31 person, it's not going to go unpunished. You see? This is what Charles Bridges does in his classic commentary well, some of you know his commentary on Psalm 119, a whole book on Psalm 119, but here in his Proverbs commentary, that this is where he goes. That Christians need to read Proverbs in this light, that people need to read Proverbs in this light. How about verse 6 then? You need to see this. By here, Here's the solution, okay? Here's the solution. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. I, okay. Atone for is good, right? That's positive. When there's atonement, payment is made. So there's freedom. So there's forgiveness. And so, oh, the first verse we looked at, that's bad. It won't go unpunished. Oh, but there's hope. There's a way for atonement. There's a way for forgiveness. I hope that excites you. But I hope you look at it again. And I hope you join me going, huh? What? Look at it again. Where does atonement come from? Well, here's how we can have atonement. By steadfast love and faithfulness. I'm giving you the cockeyed Scooby-Doo look because that doesn't seem very Christian. That, that doesn't even, that doesn't sound like it's Old Testament or New Testament. That's not how you get atonement. So, so by being loving, um, and by being faithful, you can have atonement. That's not true. Don't strike me dead, God, for saying that. It says it right there that it is true. How can you have atonement for your lack of wisdom? Because there's a day of reckoning. Oh, by being faithful and by being loving. Here's what Bridges says about this. To link this with man's love and faithfulness overturns the foundation of the gospel. If that's true, in a certain sense then the rest of the Bible is not true. It just turns the whole foundation over. So how do we interpret it? Here's how. Substitute named Jesus perfectly loves father and neighbor fulfilling the law, right? Not only that, perfectly faithful doing what he was sent here to do to the very end, obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross, Philippians chapter 2. It's gospel. It's gospel. Amidst this, it, it's in kernel, you might say, but it's gospel. Amidst this book about laws, 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 principles, proverbs, 
And you say, well, I, I, what if I don't do it? There's a day of reckoning. Well, <laughs> is there a way for atonement? Yeah. Be faithful and loving. Have fun with that. Oh, I can't. I can't do it. Oh, I'm going to look outside of myself. The Lord Jesus Christ makes atonement. The Lord Jesus Christ who is perfectly faithful and who is perfectly loving, fulfilling God's law. Ah, there is hope. Let's interpret Proverbs like we're Christians. Is what I'm suggesting to you. Let's do it that way. And then I want to be the Proverbs 31 man or woman in the right sense. So if you're not a Christian, read these verses and say, I'm in a lot of trouble. Good. You are. You need atonement. You need to look to Christ. But if you look to Christ, then you can want to, want to be the Proverbs 31 man or woman or child the right way. Because you've had atonement made for you and now you belong to the family and now your consequence, your, your trespasses won't be held against you. So now I want to pursue wisdom from a safe standing. This is why those who've gone before us have said, right? Guilt, grace, gratitude. Proverbs should show you your guilt. So you look for grace. You find it in Christ. And then you want to do the same thing. You want to do the right thing. But now you're going to do it out of gratitude. It fits perfectly, Proverbs does. One pastor put it this way. If we understand the different uses of the law in redemptive history, we begin to understand the relationship between the Proverbs and the believer's need for Christ. Final question, I promise. Will there ever, 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 ever be a through and through perfectly righteous Proverbs 31 wife? Will there ever be, let me rephrase it, a perfectly righteous through and through Proverbs 31 bride? Oh, yeah, the answer to that is yes. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we meet the groom, we, the church, who are the bride of Christ because of His merits, because of His love and faithfulness. He presents us without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing. The church, Ephesians chapter 5, in that sense, the Proverbs 31 woman, the Proverbs 31 wife, by virtue of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the church. And the way to belong to the church is by faith in Christ. Because He's perfectly faithful, perfectly loving on our behalf and makes perfect atonement on our behalf so that when God sees us, He sees us as if we are perfect. We've kept the law. We've kept the principles. We're perfectly wise. Oh, remember too, the Apostle Paul says, Christ is our wisdom comes from him. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for a great time of thinking about things that Christians before us have thought long and hard about. Thank you that we can benefit from men and women who've gone before us, that we can even benefit from Lemuel and his mother, even pagans, learning about wisdom. 
Lord, thank you so much for salvation that can come and does come and comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our great, resurrected, ascended, returning Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.